Welcome to your sophomore year at the Tragedy Academy, where you are the teacher and we are the students. Together, we learn from past tragedy to lay the foundation for a better humanity. The only supplies you'll need an open mind and a sense of humor. So, tilt that chair back, talk out of turn, and never raise your hand. Because this is the Tragedy Academy and class in session. I'm Pure Scott. Fancy, isn't it? Little countdown. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like, where there is the countdown right, now? It's a bomb. It's <laughs> a bomb. <laughs> uh, welcome to the Tragedy Academy, a show created to bridge societal divides in a judgment-free zone using candor and humor. My name is Jay, and today I am joined by Mirko. How are you doing today, Mirko? I'm very good. Super excited to be here. So thank Super excited to have you as well. Mirko is here to discuss addictions, specifically tobacco, and how he overcame it and other ways that people can overcome it as well. So Mirko, you want to go ahead and give us your uh, backstory on how you, uh, how you overcame? So I have been smoking for, I think, around 20 years. I'm now 33. I started when I was 14. Because in Italy, you start very young to smoke because it's something cool to do with your friends. But then it becomes an addiction. Like everyone thinks like, yeah, it's just a cigarette. But I think I find out, especially during this year, that they quit smoking. They quit smoking last November. But the cigarette is so much more. It's a drug at the end of the day. And, but you know, you keep saying, yeah, I will do it. I will do it. I will do it. And you keep postponing. And the problem is more year pass, more is difficult to get, get rid of, of something very simple, which is tobacco. Because it's not heroin, it's not marijuana, it's just tobacco. But we give so much power. I was giving actually so much power. Every time I have to study, I was smoking. Every time I had a discussion with a friend, I was smoking. Everything was connected to the cigarette. Then, I don't know why, and I was thinking, I want to quit, but I just want to wake up and quit. Obviously, it's not possible <laughs> because you cannot do that. Well, I mean, technically, work, technically, you can. You can. I know that, you can. I mean, <laughs> if I we're going to talk about the, the psychology behind it, it's the the cigarette or tobacco or the addiction, you become indebted to it and feel like in order to become simply functional or normal, you have to have that cigarette to accompany it. That's how it kind of sneaks in there. Yeah. Yeah. And then there are people that, like, as you said, there are people that they can, like, for example, I think it was my uncle, he quit, like, he was smoking, like, Marlboro Red, two packs every day for more. We we call those cowboy killers. To another, yeah. <laughs> cowboy <laughs> killers. to another, he quit. <laughs> he quit. And when you think, and when you ask, but how did you do? I didn't want to smoke anymore. And I was like, I admire you, but I can't. I said, no, obviously you can. You just need to focus on me. And then, because I believe in the universe and energy, like what you want, it comes to you. Because I think I was ready to quit smoking. I received a call from, um, because I live in London, from the council. And they asked me, do you want smoking? I said, I would like to try, but I cannot guarantee if I can. Don't worry, you're going to receive a call from one of our advisors and they're going to help you. But then, I don't know, I think uh, I waited for two to three months. That moment I was smoking actually a cigarette. They called me. <laughs> I was going to say, smokers are okay of- with you taking <laughs> your time to get back to them if it's quitting smoking. I'm okay if you take three months <laughs> because I get to keep smoking and I don't have to address this issue. I'm, I'm with you. Except, so I was smoking and it was like, are you ready to quit smoking? Actually, I am. 
I having a cigarette right now, but okay, let's try. <laughs> and yeah, it was really pathetic there. <laughs> they introduced me to this medicine called Champix, which basically you take it like uh, every day while you keep smoking. And this medicine, I think it's also in America, it's called in another way. And it helps to reduce the craving from your cigarette. Chantix, right? Is that what you said? I think Chantix, Wellbutrin, there's a couple. There's a couple of those, correct? But what's, there, there are many. But at the beginning, it was okay. I felt like, obviously, the side effects and et cetera. And I made the mistake to go on the internet and read the, the different feedback. Because for me, it was, but I keep smoking, to be honest. Because they suggested to, to, to keep smoking, and then suddenly, it dropped. I was reading these feedbacks, these comments, and it was like, yeah, but everyone can quit smoking, like, in two, three days, or maybe also in one week. I couldn't, like I could, I reduced the cigarette level. I was about 25 per day. When I started taking it was per day. So there was a progress, but still I couldn't say goodbye. So the advisor called me because I was in tear because I can't, like I really can't. So don't worry, keep doing what you're doing. Maybe for you, it doesn't work straight away. So they had you continue taking the medication? Yeah, because they suggested to take up to three months. That was like, and I dropped like from 25, it was I think 10 and then five cigarettes per day. And then I dropped to, I don't know why, to vape. But then I was getting ready to go for a coffee and they said, I, I had the fight with my partner. I said, I need to discuss this with my friend. I need my vape because I need to tell this story to my friend, the vape. In that moment, I had like the epiphany of the day was, Mirko, but you don't need this, the, the vape to make a sentence or to make a speech to your friend. And they said, yeah. So I left the, the vape there and that's it. You I never was taking that medicine. Never. Because then in that moment, I started realizing that it's true because you know that the secret is an addiction and everything. But there I started realizing like I'm giving to the secret so much power that I have already inside me. I just need to rediscover it. I can speak in, I can speak also in Italian, obviously. I don't need a cigarette to help me. I can think because also before I started smoking, I was able to eat, smoke, uh, to exercise. I was doing many things. And this is the thing that when people ask me like, yeah, but I can't, I try to help them. Like you can actually quit smoking. You just need to define your power. And it's tough because it's very difficult. When you quit, you need to reeducate your brain to do different things. For example, when you go to a party, everyone goes out for a cigarette and you are like there, like uh, I would say a broccoli. <laughs> You're so, a broccoli? What I've never heard this before. <laughs> that is the yeah, first time I've heard somebody <laughs> being referred to as broccoli. I'm going to, so just to give you an idea, a couple of, a couple of quick things. Um, yeah. A, my, my mother-in-law is from Italy. She's from Spino. Um, <laughs> B, I used to smoke, so I do identify with you on this. I get it. Um, and I smoked while I exercised. I smoked while I was in the army and I, I was extremely athletic and you wouldn't have ever known. So I get that. And on top of that, my mother is actually dying of lung cancer as we speak. Yeah. You see, because then we always think like, yeah, but it's going to happen eventually or no, but you know, also that person has got lung cancer or heart attack and et cetera, but he hasn't smoked in his life or in her life. So we keep justifying, but then the truth is, it's going to kill you eventually in a way or in another, or maybe it's not going to kill it for your lungs, but for something else. You're, what people so, don't realize is that when you, there's a bias inside of you. 
when you're trying to research these things. It's kind of like spirituality yeah. or anything else. If you go, you you sit down at Google, you crack your knuckles, and you're going to find out all about smoking and how it's not that yeah. bad, right? And you're going to, well, you're yeah. actually just going to go to find out about smoking, but you're going to click on everything that says, you know, that it's not necessarily just this, or if you go with filterless, it's not that, or if you're not smoking menthols, yep. then you're okay. And then you're just going through all these things and you're like, you're justifying it to yourself as you're Googling and smoking, you know, at the same time going, aha, so I can live another 10 years before I have to quit. You'll start bargaining years in your head before it'll actually take place. Well, I, you know, Everybody I heard about didn't get cancer till 50. So if I stop at 30, then I'm going to be okay. And you start negotiating. That's a, <laughs> it's a fucking shitty, it's a shitty living tactic. <laughs> you know, funny enough that you mentioned the age. I think also the trigger point for me was because I was reading that if you quit before 33, <laughs> you get 10, 15 years more. <laughs> So this is the pathetic of the reality. <laughs> it's it's so true. And the the fact of the matter is, is it's A, you don't need a cigarette. Otherwise, we'll be born with one or everyone would have one in order to survive. Not the case. So there's no need for an actual cigarette. You have to actually find what the cigarette is replacing inside of you. There is an empty spot that requires that cigarette that you think requires that cigarette, but it's not. There's an actual yeah. mechani mechanism in there that's making you yeah. plug it. Yeah. What was for you, if I can ask, uh, your mechanism behind? Oh, for me, it was, I mean, it had to be, it was a, it was a whole it was a whole lot of different things. Um, for me, it was an, it was an attached addiction, um, to spirals and ability to when, when I wasn't, it was a way to cope with depression. It was a way to, to cope with anxiety. But at the end of the day, I figured out that, you know, it was actually the depression and anxiety, which in turn was rooted in something much, much deeper, likely childhood trauma, likely, you know, all these different things, because all, all your experiences are layers over time to create who you are in any given moment. And if you don't do that root cause analysis, you're not going to find out that, hey, I actually have this particular body dysmorphia issue that makes me sad all the time. So in order to stand around other people, I feel like they're staring at me. So to cope, I stand there and smoke to take up that mindfulness so I don't feel that pressure of people looking at me and judging me, even though they don't give two fucks that I exist. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's how exactly, it was for me. Yeah, yeah I'm still actually still figure out because I'm, for example, now I'm in Italy for holidays. And I, actually, I didn't expect that after eight, nine months, there were moments that I, these cravings came back. They will. They will. And it was like, and I said, why? But why right now? I mean, I flew because I don't like to fly. And it was so easy without having the cigarette because for me, it was like straight away to the smoking area or after you landed. Oh, yeah, and it's and so disgusting, man. When you walk in that little, you know, because some of those airports still have the smoking areas, and I used to fly internationally, more, and yeah, you yeah. go in that thing, it is disgusting. The thing about smoking is I hated it. 
I hated it every single time I put it up to my mouth. I didn't like the smell. I didn't like the taste. I didn't like anything. But for some reason, I wanted to stick my mouth on that tailpipe every day to calm down like a fucking asshole. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's and then the fun, and this is the thing that I'm trying to help people when you quit. Because to quit, actually, it's really easy, to be honest, because as you said, we are not, we weren't born with the cigarette, but you are going to open a Pandora box. Yeah, you have no lid. You have no lid yet, or you haven't even looked inside the box. That's the problem. You don't even know what's in there. You've been sitting on top of it smoking. (laughs) Exactly. And that is the terrifying thing that I can see in people when they say, yeah, I would love to quit, but I'm not ready yet. Maybe next year, maybe after the holidays, maybe after this project, maybe because it's true, you don't know what's inside this box. Obviously, this is what I did. Like I'm followed by a therapist as well, because as you said, there are so many emotional links, trauma or anything that it can happen, that it happen actually in your life that you need to address because otherwise you can move your attention from cigarettes. That's everyone. Every single person has an addiction if they have not taken care of themselves to the root cause. It's what's, it's what's societally, societally acceptable. And that's the only definition because each person has some kind of hang up. It's food or it's exercise or it's, you know, too much work or it's, you know, drinking or it's any other, you know, other kind of drug. It's everybody suffering from the mental illness that is existence, you know, today. And they just don't realize that they're grabbing a hold of all these different plugs. It's kind of like having a bucket and you pour water into it, right? And you're plugging it with all these addictions so everything doesn't spill out. But the fact of it is, it's, you, have to, you have to fix the holes. You can't plug them. You have to actually patch them and, you know, find out why they exist. Yeah. What's poking the holes? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, because I I think when you go to the first thing that you, let's say, find out about smoking is like, because we, I started when I was 14, right? So the first thing that they're going to tell you is, yeah, because you want it to be cool, like like the others. Mm, yeah, maybe that it can be like the motivation that start. Uh, it sounds like the first core wound, the need for acceptance that you weren't getting elsewhere, that you had to reach out and conform in some way and take on an addictive behavior. Behavior. Not only do people realize they don't realize that, yeah, you're addicted to nicotine, but you're also addicted to acceptance, the acceptance. Correct. All the things, you know, the ability to speak to each other freely and have this camaraderie and it, it, people don't realize that that is an addiction as well. Yeah. I remember the time when I started smoking <laughs> and I told my mom, mom, uh, I, I have to tell you something, right? I smoke. She beat me so hard, but not because I was smoking. It was like, you know why I'm beating you? Because you destroy all my cigarettes when you were little because you didn't want me to smoke. So now you deserve like a slap. Monkey see, monkey do. Because- do we- parents <laughs> create smokers. Here's the thing. I-, I said parents create smokers. No. Genetic and hereditary issues that you get from everyone that are the holes are are what you inherit. Yeah. Then you just happen to catch the cigarette in the process as the as the first mechanism to plug it. You already had the issue before you picked it up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but thanks God, at least now I feel free. Now I, I this is what I say to people. Now it's my time. 
before it wasn't really my time because as we said, as we are keep talking about that the cigarette actually cover is like a wall. You are not actually yourself and you are not actually your true yourself. Um, and it's so fascinating to, to discover more and more things about yourself, which are scary because it's true. You oppress emotions or feelings or whatever happened in your spiritual world with just a cigarette. But when you remove it, you really take time for yourself, apart from physically that you feel actually better because you can breathe, you don't smell. Because you know how many times all my friends look at me like, oh my God, Mirko, you stink. And it was, come on, guys, it's just a cigarette. But now it's someone that is a smoker and comes closer to me. It's like, you smell like a chimney. Like you're like, holy crap! How do you not notice what you smell like? No, you're a hundred percent right. You well, it's just like googling yourself into the acceptance category where it's okay to smoke. You will give yourself an allowable amount of shame in order to remain a smoker. Yeah, and if you have any doubt, like, oh my god, I'm going to fall again, because obviously you see a lot of people smoking around you, then it's going to be, it's going to trigger like your cravings. But then when you pass that stage, it's fascinating to see and think like, why she's smoking? Maybe she's hiding something. That guy looks stressed. This is the reason why he smokes. This guy, I don't know, is partying, so he's smoking. And you can like read more. I'm kind of like sitting at the bar. The more people. Yeah, that yeah. one is, that one has, you know, father issues. This guy is trying yeah. to uh, <laughs> peacock because he's actually really small. You know, this one is, it's, it's amazing. What you're explaining actually is mindfulness. You're explaining looking at the now. And once you start to slow things down, you get to you get to see things for what they actually are. You get to see people for who they are, flaws and all. And that doesn't mean that you judge yeah. them, but you um, but you get yeah. to understand and empathize with them better. Hey, guess what? You know, I understand why you're going through this. And and I get where, where you're coming from with quitting smoking. When I quit smoking, it was a um, water was my best friend. The only thing that I did was I just I drank so much water that my eyeballs were floating. It was it was just a matter of trying to. <laughs> Flush it all out of my I love system. Water too, by the way. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Water and coffee, actually. That's my that's my uh, remaining addiction. Yeah, coffee is another addiction that is terrible. Well, you're, <laughs> wait a minute. You're Italian. You can't get rid of it. It's in your DNA. <laughs> no, it's in my blood. It is. It has to be. <laughs> Espresso. It's everywhere. They ask, like, how can you how can you drink so much coffee? But it's just an espresso. It's so quick, but and I can drink it anytime. <laughs> it's the same as taking shots of liquor. The more you take of them, yeah. the more, it's no different. You can either have a beer or a shot, but they're pretty much the same. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, but it's true. The word that you said, mindfulness, that is perfect because it's true. Also, coffee can get an, as an addiction. Like you are addicted to because you think coffee gives me energy, coffee gives me power, coffee puts me through the day. 
So it depends, like, yeah, the way you put things, I think. Like, I drink coffee a lot because I like it, but I don't give that power to coffee. Like, I need the coffee to give me. I, I understand what you're saying. I don't, don't give it the power. Yeah. And I don't give it either. I, like, I'm not going to go, like, somewhere for a day and be like, oh, my God, I haven't had coffee yet. You know, like, with a cigarette, you would. You would, you would plan your life yeah. around cigarettes. And that's, that's disgusting, you know, and expect everybody else to conform to you. And that said, give yourself a break if you are trying to quit. Keep, just keep trying, just keep trying, just exactly. keep trying. It will happen eventually. Don't beat yourself up. Exactly. If you do have, if you do trip, just pick up a bottle of water and pick up some new habits. It only takes about three to four weeks, I think, to create a habit. You can create the habit of not smoking. You're just as capable of doing that as you are, you know, smoking or not smoking. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And you said, right, like there is no failure. Keep trying. The important thing is better to try than not do anything and think, yeah, I can, but you know what? I can't. No, no. Keep trying. And eventually, as you said, it will come. In a, some people ask me, like, but do I need to take this medicine? No, you can go also in the wood with a shaman if it works for you. Do it. I mean, do whatever it works because every one of us is on a different journey. So what it works, maybe for me, is stronger to take a medicine. Other people, they can, as you say, they cold turkey. Yeah, they, they quit, quit cold turkey. Like, I have no idea what that means. I, I, I feel bad for this turkey. Yeah, like he's like frozen. Are we talking about like, you know, Thanksgiving? I've never understood. I think I need to, I need to have our intern look that up. <laughs> like what the fuck is a gold turkey? Yeah, we're Googling. For me, that one is amazing. People that they can quit like from one day to another is like, I because it takes Why? courage. And Why? Goal. It's the same choice that anybody else has. It's the same choice that anybody else has. And if, I would argue, and if they did not address the issues that were causing the smoking, they probably transferred that addiction to something else. You may, actually, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. You have to do that root cause. Hey, academics. Have you endured life's tragedies, trials, and tribulations? Did you adapt and overcome? Do you have advice for others to pay forward and want to be a guest? Then email us a brief two to three minute video to show at thetragedyacademy.com and tell us how our academics can learn and grow from these experiences. Thanks again for your support. And now back to class. Realize, like, and I was discussing with a friend of mine. Like, I think before, no one was talking about mental health, personal issues, trauma. Now, every one of us has got to be like, anything. It's, it's okay. Well, imagine you had a whole bunch of people. Do you, are you familiar with the game of chicken? Chicken is where two people will kind of balk doing something. They both watch each other and they'll both do, you know, a little bit more, a little bit more, something like that. Everybody is playing almost like a, a game of chicken with the mental health question. Everybody is in this state, right? They're all walking around in it in, in a reality-induced mental illness because let's face it, everything that's going on around us is what's inducing the mental illness. But nobody, nobody wants to have a discussion because what? Judgment. Because as soon as you say, I'm having panic attacks, I'm having depressive moments where I lay in bed longer and I actually don't feel like getting up. 
that we feel like everybody's going to judge us when in reality, people want validation. They want to hear that you have it as well, because then what happens? Pandora's box, right? If humanity or America was Pandora's box and America was smoking for the last 20 years, what, what happens when you quit smoking, i.e. a pandemic, you put everybody, you sit them down, you get to find all the issues and everybody starts talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's what's happened. And it's made it okay to voice the issues that you've been toiling with, especially, you know, the older generation, you know, the or, you know, us Gen Xers or, you know, getting that opportunity to know that it's okay to feel the way that you felt. It's liberating. Yeah. It's really liberating. And I think that we are on the precipice of something huge. I feel like that, you know, when we push this direction, but the one thing that I caution us as, as people is that we do not become a victim of our mental illness. It does not become our identity. I am ADHD. I am bipolar. I am depression. I am these things. Because once you do that, you've replaced the mask of hiding mental illness with the mask of mental illness. And you're still not being authentic. You're only identifying with what is causing your issues to begin with. And you're allowing yourself to move through society with these little itty bitty biases that allow you to get away with things. And it's not, it's the same thing as wearing something different. It's the same thing as having combed hair versus tussled hair. It's the same thing when you utilize your mental illness as a tool to move through society or your relationships, then you are not living and working on your mental illness. You're using it as a tool as another way to manipulate society and your surroundings. If you're going to preach that you want to work on mental illness, then you need to walk the walk. And that means discover why you have the mental illness to begin with. That's what you have to do. Those people that run around, you know, manifest your life, and they just scream the same things over and over again, but they don't practice them. I love you. You know, I want to take your words because I have a friend of mine. Actually, what you said described a very dearest friend of mine, but she's eyed through like this mental health problem or issues and justify her behavior or like, let's say her journey in life with this mental health. And sometimes I said to her, because she, we're quite close. So she, she needs to release. I said, you know, I said the same thing as you said, you cannot like use mental health. I mean, I understand you are suffering but you need to do something about it. You need to practice something up with this because you cannot keep saying at your age, after 20 years that you suffer from this, I can't do this, I can do that, I can do this because it doesn't work. You're, you you're 100% correct. Yeah. And I said, you are losing like, because now we are 33, you're losing like the best year of your life, complaining and justifying what? And I know it's hard when you need to dig in your soul because it's really tough, but you need to, like, there are no other ways. You cannot wake up one day like, oh, 
It's surface level identification of your issues. You have to continue further down that path. You can't just discover that you have it and sit and accept. You have to find out what's behind that curtain. Why is it there? You know, you have to take that extra step. I was thinking this morning, I'm, I was thinking about mental illness and how it is like knots in a rope. Right. If we were, if our mental health was a a rope, right, just a short piece of rope, probably like two feet long. And every issue that we got, we had to tie a knot in. Right. And each time we got another issue, we had to tie a knot in it. And if we didn't untie a knot, we were going to have two knots and then we had three knots. And if anybody sat there and tied knots in a rope, they start to figure out what happens to it when you get too many knots. It becomes a knot itself. It becomes just this wadded piece. In order to get back to that original piece of rope, what we were authentically made to be, because we're only a piece of rope in the beginning. We're a piece of rope when we're a child. Yeah, yeah. And every experience we go through can be a knot or an untangle, a knot or an untangle. And we just continue to allow ourselves to be tied into knots and we don't free ourselves from it. And then what happens is like you're explaining, you become a victim or it becomes your persona. You're literally sitting there and said, you know what? I've gotten this far and I'm going to sit here as a pile of knots. So when everybody comes up to me and they meet me, I have to say I'm a pile of knots. It's okay. Don't judge me. I'm a pile of knots. And that's not how we're supposed to be. That's not how it's supposed to be. God, what a dad joke. <laughs> I love it. But hey, that's, you know, that's my take on it. I, I, I just, I try to simplify what it is so that I can unravel it in my own mind, you know, and, and think about if it's permanent, then you're never going to feel better. It's just going to be, it's an acceptable level of pain. Fuck that. I, yeah. and I'd rather just work them through. I mean, pain's going to exist. That's the other thing. Why identify as ADHD, bipolar, depression, or anxiety? Isn't that the same as letting somebody control you? We get pissed when we say, you know, like, you can't control me. You can't tell me what to do. But you can certainly let yeah. a fucking diagnosis tell you who to be. That's dumb as hell. Yeah. That's literally, it's like joining a fucking team. Hey, yeah, we, we are so, yeah, we are so complex because then all these people, they're going to use that to manipulate others or manipulate society. So it's like a circle. I can't manipulate you, but it you want to manipulate to happen. me. Like this friend of mine, actually, she manipulated, at the end of the day, even though she played the victim, she, she's trying to manipulate the reality to get something. You do understand, though, she doesn't know that. She is not aware of that reality. And that's what we have to remind ourselves. Nobody will change of your accord or with you pushing them or with you making the decisions for them. The only thing that we can do in these scenarios, because if we are mindful and we start to recognize that people have issues, it's not our job to change another person. Under any circumstances, it is our job to lead by example so that other people can assimilate and become a new normal, right? And if we don't lead by example, then we're just, we're, we're putting ourselves in confrontational moments. 
and it's not going to be successful ever. You can't you can't talk the depression out of somebody. You can't talk the bipolar out of somebody. You can't talk people into going to get medication. You can't force them to do it. It has to be of your own accord. And one of the other things that will happen is say you do get on that mental health train and you start to figure it out. We start to, there's there's a grouping that will become overbearing where they will preach and stick it down your throat every conversation that you have. And I talk about it on the show a lot That's because the show covers it. However, you can't tell people that they're not living their life correctly every time you see them and they should, you know, live like you. No, just reap the rewards of your hard work when you're taking care of yourself. Because once you do that, you become a different human being to your friends and family. You become a different human altogether. You're putting off a different energy. You're a happy person. You're a different soul. And here's what's going to happen. One of two things. You're either going to shape up or they're going to ship out. That is it. You're going to start losing the people that don't fit the new mold. And unfortunately, that may be your friend or your friend may actually come to that conclusion that, hey, guess what? I've dug a hole, but I haven't dug it far enough. All I've done is taken off the top layer of grass. Get down in there, find those skeletons, figure out where it started throw it out of the way, you know, reap the rewards of happiness. You're doing the right thing by leading by example and talking about what you're doing and just continue to do that. If you work on yourself first, you will always be better for those around you. It's simple. Amen. Respect yourself. If you don't, you'll never respect others. You just won't. I want to write a book with you. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, you know how many mistakes and BS situations I've been in in life to to even get like the little bit of understanding that I have? Because I have completely fucked up life. At every juncture, I have tripped over my own mouth. I have done things that I'm ashamed of. I've done great things too. You know, I don't I don't beat myself up, but it takes a lot of soul searching to even to scratch the surface. I feel like if people start to love their self unconditionally, they'll start to love others unconditionally. And just remember, the conditions are learned. The conditions are a choice. The conditions are like a cigarette. You weren't born with them. Fuck, can we end the show? I said that perfect. Can we end the show? (laughs) (laughs) I love it when it comes together like that. Firstly, I want to say thank you for coming on here and sharing your journey and putting that at the forefront that mental health is the root cause of this issue. It's not yeah. tobacco. It's not the filter. It's not any of the other things that go with it. Do I think they should make them? No. I think that it's stupid because it is not solving a problem. It is not giving any benefit whatsoever. And it's preying on a condition, a mental condition that makes you susceptible to utilizing that to plug that hole. We've already discovered that there is no benefit. So why? Why do we continue to push it down people's throat? Because I'm watching my mother. I'm watching my mother die from something that she doesn't need. She never had to have. 
in that it's only a choice to stop. When the difference between life and death is a choice that is simply to stop doing something that is unnatural to begin with, that's a problem. That's a severe problem. And I don't, I don't have any animosity towards her for her situation. In fact, I have nothing but empathy because I understand that nobody wants to die at the hands of a cigarette. Nobody wants to die. But if they think that they've passed that threshold, if they think that they stepped across that 33, 40-year-old line that we were discussing earlier, then you just give up. Yeah. You give up and you say, well, I made my choice and I'm just going to ride it out. And the problem is, is it gets very, very difficult when you have to look at a loved one and see them in that situation because it breaks your heart because they're committing suicide daily in front of you. And that's that's the reality. Yeah, that's the reality. And but we can't expect them to know that because in their reality, they're still filling that gap that's been missing their entire lives with that cigarette. It's not the cigarette, it's the gap. And we got to find out what's in there. And unfortunately, cigarettes will hold you hostage for so long that you will never, you'll pass that threshold of checking your mental health and figuring out why it's there. So I encourage all of you out there, if you are a smoker or addicted or anything of that nature, just try, just try. It's not, yeah. And it's not so scary as you think, because, you know, this is, I think, this is what I want to focus because no, if you check on YouTube, for example, everyone is talking about how you can quit, but then one, and for me, that was the scary part. Yeah. But what is my life without the cigarette? I don't know the way I can react to situation. I don't know. Maybe I will freak out. Maybe I will kill someone. Maybe I will slap someone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Isn't that isn't that just nonsensical to think that without a item that you weren't born with, you will be prone to slapping people in its absence? <laughs> we are the weirdest creatures. We make up the weirdest scenarios in our heads that make no sense. We have no reason to believe them to begin with, but because we're just locked in this cage of society, we've accepted what the conditions of living are. It's like being born and having somebody strap a training wheel to your right leg. Basically, you it is, yeah. I know, but I think for people, it's so difficult to think in that way, that it's okay. You're not going to freak out. Maybe you're going to be a little bit more tense sometimes, but not because you don't have the cigarette. It's just because, as we said, you're going to unfold issues that you had also before. The physical withdrawals are only like a week. Yeah, they're not so powerful at the end. I think sugar craving are more intense. <laughs> that is more intense when you want I to may, eat. I may have that issue currently. <laughs> I've, been, <laughs> I've been snacking on ice cream in the evening. <laughs> I need to tone that down because uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to replace things with other things. I know. And then it's the other thing that I I like to help people because also for me, I went obviously because you don't smell cigarette or smoke or tobacco in your mouth and your taste level increase and you love all the food. It's like to become a child again. Like, I want to try this. I want to try. Obviously, it can happen. Not to everyone. It's like putting on those colorblind glasses. (laughs) Yeah, You (laughs) You get weight. You get a bit of weight. But this is not the reason not to quit smoke. But see, and that's the thing. 
there's another one of those conditions that have put into your head that you need to be a certain weight to be societally acceptable. So you would rather risk your health and quitting just to avoid the stigma of being fat, which again is another condition that doesn't exist unless we give it power. We've allowed ourselves to be painted into these boxes. Now I can't quit because I'm afraid I'm going to get fat, but there's also the lever that I can't quit because I might get fat. (laughs) If you know what I mean. You you can use it as an excuse as well. But as you said, this is at the end of the day, acceptance. And actually last week, someone, because they returned to the office, obviously we work from home at the moment, right? So when this person saw me, because obviously I, I, I got a bit fat as than before. When he saw me, he said, ah, wow, someone ate a lot during lockdown. I said, no, actually, I quit smoking. And this person said, okay, that is good, but maybe you should be more. Sorry, I I hope you're not friends with this guy later, but he's an asshole. No, I said, I'm really proud of myself. I knew that this could happen to me. I'm working also my fitness level and to return back. It's step by step. By the end of the day, I'm discovering myself. What Good for you. Good for you. Also, I take back what I said a moment ago. It's an Italian thing to be very blunt because my mother-in-law will point out that you got fat (laughs) while she hasn't seen you in six months. She'll be like, she'll just be like, hi, you got fat and just move on. Like it doesn't, she's not doing it to be mean. She's not doing it to be upset. She just points it out. And you're like, well, yes, I knew that. Thank you for stating the obvious. In case anybody else in the room wanted to know, I used to be skinnier. All right. (laughs) But it's okay because she's not judging you. She's just pointing it out. She went, she went and picked me up a hamburger like two days later. So (laughs) <laughs> instead of going for example in england no one is blunt they go around so if they want to say that you're fat they're going to use all the way around at the end of the day they're going to say the same thing but in a polite let's say polite way i prefer blunt. you're fat yes it's true okay thank you bye bye i guess now <laughs> now i'm okay with that now i joke about it but that comes with a certain level of acceptance, like we said earlier. Plus, exactly, humor yeah. to me is the best, best, best way to cope with mental illness. I mean, A, who doesn't exactly. want to fucking laugh? And B, it takes the power away. If you replace your worst issues in life with laughter, it will change your mindset over time. You have no choice. If you're taking a situation and applying sadness to it, If you laugh every time it happens, you're going to start associating it with a laugh. It's going to change. Also, when you use humor, like comedians and stuff like that, I say this on the show all the time. If you're on stage, you don't call anybody out. You're actually just putting the joke out there and everybody can come to the conclusion or understanding without being judged by their peers to their left and right. They can be like, ha 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 ha. Yeah, that is kind of, uh, that's me. So humor, humor is is great in that manner. It it just powerful. It really is, Mirko. I I I can't thank you enough for for coming on. Uh, Anytime, super. I love you. I I love the things that you say. Oh, I love you too. Keep coming. You know, keep listening, (laughs) and you know, I want to definitely have you back. See how everything's going along. How your journey's progressing, and to all of those out there struggling with addiction, you know, just. 
continue to try continue to reach out people are a lot more empathetic than you give them credit for here's the reality nobody will help you if you don't want to help yourself and that doesn't mean that they're lecturing you until it's that time when someone looks at you it's kind of like going to an interview knowing that you are feeling like you're not qualified for the job you're not going to get the job You're not going to get the job because you believe you're not qualified. When you sell something to somebody else that you don't believe in, they don't believe you. It's true. Pray the Lord. (laughs) (laughs) I love you, Mirko. All right, everybody. Remember, (laughs) be cool and keep learning. Thank you. Hey, academics. Thanks again for attending another class at the Tragedy Academy. You can show us some love by subscribing, downloading, and rating us five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Or ask Amazon Alexa to play the Tragedy Academy podcast. You can find links to all major podcast platforms and past episodes at thetragedyacademy.com. You can find us on all the majors of social media on Instagram at the Tragedy Academy 2019, on TikTok at the Tragedy Academy, and on Twitter at tragedy underscore academy where we'll post our clips of upcoming shows, updated info, and thoughts. If you'd like to be a guest, send an email to show at thetragedyacademy.com. Keep an eye out on Instagram for Tragedy Academy giveaways. Thanks again for coming to class. And remember, be cool, keep learning. What's up, academics? This is Jay. I'm here to talk to you about Into the AM. This is a clothing and apparel company that I came across last year that has the absolute coolest designs. And the reason why I was attracted to it is because I grew up without a lot of money, like many others, and had to shop on that outlet rack with the irregular items, things like the fly was over four inches to the left, or the right sleeve would be twice the size of the left. It looked like I was growing horizontally. Like, it's okay, honey, you'll grow into your left arm. So you really don't get a chance to express yourself the way that you want to. You go into life. You start putting on suits, you start putting on uniforms, and you realize you'd never had a chance to truly express yourself. Enter into the AM, a team of artists and creators who share a common vision. They see clothing as a canvas to express what drives you. Since 2012, they've developed premium apparel that elevates self-expression and provides unparalleled comfort for wherever your passions take you. Into the AM's passion for change is the driving force behind their brand. They remain committed to creating products that inspire and promote self-expression by partnering with like-minded organizations focused on giving back to communities in need. Last year, they donated 1% of all revenue from their graphic tees collection to the Art of Elysium charity. The Art of Elysium is an artist organization built on the idea that through service, art becomes a catalyst for social change. For over 24 years, the Art of Elysium has paired volunteer artists with communities to support individuals in the midst of difficult emotional life changes. They currently offer 110 community programs per month, serving over 30,000 individuals per year. The only permanent thing in life is change. Supporting charities dedicated to helping those going through these changes, trials, and tribulations require a never-ending commitment. The onus is on us as creators to affect change through our true, authentic talents, and Into the AM is the model of how this is done. Their clothes are handcrafted with care, They have a team of skilled artisans that craft each garment with the highest quality fabrics and eco-friendly inks. Not to mention, these things don't shrink, they don't fade, and they fit as if they were designed supernaturally. I'm stopped every time I wear one of the graphic tees to find out where I got it. 
The colors attract attention from miles, and the art is nothing short of spectacular, with designs for everyone. One of my personal favorites, Twilight Maiden. Go take a look. End of the AM does all of this while putting their money where their mouth is. 30-day money-back guarantee, lightning-fast shipping, and hassle-free returns. The deals are endless. Graphic tee bundles, discount promo codes. Get over there. Check it out. I'm highlighting the tees, but I'd be remiss to not mention that if you want to walk around in the absolute most comfortable shorts, joggers, and basic tees, hit up into the end. I even wear the basics to the gym. Head on over to thetragedyacademy.com, go to our sponsors tab, and follow the affiliate link to the Into the AM store. Help support Into the AM and the Tragedy Academy by purchasing the absolute best apparel and the best designs ever. And remember, academics, be cool and keep learning.